Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Hey, Jordan Harbinger here. Subscribe to the only show that will show you how to apply the world's greatest ideas from the most striking minds. After presenting more than a thousand interviews, I couldn't be more compelled to introduce you to the Jordan Harbinger Show. We've got spies and CEOs, athletes and authors from Kobe Bryant to Malcolm Gladwell, Tony Hawk and Howie Mandel to the chairman of Google, founders of LinkedIn and Instagram, antiquities smugglers, con men, brilliant scientists, national heroes, and even the head of the CIA. Listed as Apple's best of 2018 and countless other awards that, let's be honest, you probably don't care about right now. So come and have a listen for yourself and join me as we exploit the superpowers of the world's most incredible thinkers, amazing achievers, and iconic change makers with their insights delivered right into your mind. You'll get that blueprint of their brilliance each week so that you can learn to live what you listen. Subscribe right now to The Jordan Harbinger Show, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you're listening now. Napa know-how. Get all the quality parts you need at your locally owned Napa. Because right now, when you order from Napa online, you can pick up curbside at your local store in just 30 minutes. Or get your order delivered direct to your door with free one-day shipping and over 160,000 quality parts when you spend $35 or more. Quality parts delivered quickly and safely. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating stores, standard ground shipping and exclusions apply. Hey guys, I'm Ben Bateman. And I'm Andrew Guy. And we are... The yeah. Oh! I had something funny planned. I wanted to just go. Yeah. Should we do it again? I guess so. It was a good idea. All right. It wasn't well executed. Hey, this, is, this is what it's going to be like. <laughs> this is, Guys, this is a look into the world. We're going to go live in three, two... Hey guys, I'm Ben Bateman. And I'm Andrew Guy. And we are... The Action Guys! Guys, guys, guys. <sighs> Didn't work that time either. You know, you hit a you hit a home run last week when you sang it. This has I been thought, a nightmare. I thought maybe I'd sing it again. Then I changed my mind. Be action, guys. Then I started echoing. It didn't work either. Didn't. I don't it, want to do the show with this you anymore. This is a show on Collider <laughs> Podcast Network called The Action Guys. We talk about movies here. Uh, I'm Ben Bateman. I just said that. I'm discombobulated. Good God. All right. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Andrew Guy. This is The Action Guys, and we are here to talk to you about... All right. So this is the thing that happens a lot in Hollywood, right? And yeah. something that you and I, this is kind of inspired by our episode of Action Movie Anatomy this week, yep. where we covered Split. Mm-hmm. Arguably the biggest moment in M. Night's career other than The Sixth Sense. I would agree. And I would re- agree. Yeah, and it's because it had been 14 years since he'd made a movie people cared about. Now, I love The Village. Most people <laughs> do not. And The Visit was kind of overlooked. And as you said on AMA, the only reason people cared about The Visit was because Split was so successful. Was because Split was good. So today on the show, we are going to be asking the question, what is the greatest Hollywood comeback of all time? Now, we divide this into several categories. We're going to get to those categories in just one quick second. But before we do, there's some introductions to make. There's some shout-outs to be had. Uh, Looking at this guy over here. His name's Andrew Gay. I am – that is not my name. My name is Andrew Guy. Uh, you've known me for a very long time. <laughs> I said I said gay. <laughs> uh, I am co-owner, co-creator of Action Industries yes. along with this gentleman sitting across from me. You guys might be asking what Action Industries is. Ben and I have done a show called Action Movie Anatomy for years and years. We've also been a part of the movie trivia showdown here uh, that was a part of Collider Networks for a very long time. And because of that, we got the Action Guys. Yeah. 
we love working together so much. We love our fans so much. We love doing this so much that we created a big, general, all-encompassing brand called Action Industries. And we have an unbelievable team of people working with us to make that brand come to life. One of those people is sitting here with us today. Uh, his name is Brandon Hanna. And people call him the intern because he favors Ben Bateman in the movie Trivia Schmodown. But today is a valuable, valuable piece of my, my, my uh, entourage. I'll kill you both. <laughs> today he is here as just one of us. Brandon, how the hell are you doing, man? I am doing absolutely fantastic. Thank you guys for having me on. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're really excited to have you here. Uh, so we, we were sitting down and kind of outlining the show, and Brandon had thrown in so many good ideas that we were just like, well, why don't we just put them on the mic? Just put them on the mic. So those of you who are watching and can't see Brandon, it's because there's only the two, uh, the two, the one and the two shot. In the actually, future, there's a third camera, but Ben and I want all the attention. Yeah, we, def- <laughs> we felt that as the intern, uh, you know, he would... We'd feature him how how we wanted to. Don't speak until you're spoken to. <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 yes, sir. <laughs> but uh, Brandon is a gigantic movie fan. He's uh, just generally awesome and is working with us on Action Industries and, and has been crushing it and clipping awesome stuff and helping run the video department. So um, you guys actually can, can listen to this show that you're hearing right now yeah. if you're watching it on Collider's Movie Talk feed, the podcast feed. Also, you can watch uh, highlighted clips every single week on the Collider podcast YouTube channel. But the full episodes – are available the same day on Fridays on patreon.com slash team action. Everybody at the $5 level gets access to the full version of these videos right away. And then they drop publicly for everybody else the next Tuesday. So check out patreon.com slash team action. There's a huge announcement this week we just put up about we're doing a meetup in Houston for the Schmodown. We're doing a ton of cool stuff. It's going to be absolutely insane. I'm looking so I'm so looking forward to all the things that we have coming up. And lastly, if you don't remember all the things that we just talked about, which it was a lot of information. Just go follow us on Twitter, at Team Action Show. Check us out on Instagram, at Action Industries. And, of course, the Action Industries Facebook page. Give it a like. What are the three categories that are breaking down? What are these categories? Why are we breaking down the comebacks? Why is it separate? Yeah, the Hollywood comeback category, the Action Guys, Action Industries, as we're calling it, sees three basic categories. you got the flash in the pants. That's the people that have a comeback. They have a moment. And then they really never return to form after that moment. Uh, for one reason or another, it's just never quite as good as that moment. Yeah. yeah. The second category we're calling the comeback kings. And that's going to be you know uh, people that come back and then they have just a massive run. They're either still on it. We believe they're going to continue on it. Or uh, you know they're just such a massive star that when they come back, it, it really is the thing. It's defining. Yeah, of course. And then thirdly, the last one we have, which I love, Ben titled this one, pulling it from Entourage, the once a star, always a threat category, which is a really interesting one because – there's this thing about Hollywood, and as you guys know, there's a few people in Hollywood specifically that Ben and I adore and love so much. I mean, Kurt Russell popping back up in Quentin Tarantino's films, or in film, I guess it was just the one. Uh, we were like, oh my gosh, yeah. I had no idea that I needed Kurt Russell so much in my life. Once again, I'd kind of forgotten about him, and then he pops up, you're like, holy shit, I love Kurt Russell again. So there's that category of people that we think could come back and be threats here. What are you looking for? Uh, every time I put my arms down... This table seems to click. Yeah, I did that. What? Yeah, I did that. That was intentional. I did that to keep you on your game today. I'm glad I called it out publicly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, yes, those are the three categories we're going to talk about today. Uh, And I think we should probably just jump straight in. You know, we asked the question to you guys, what do you think the greatest Hollywood comeback of all time is? We're going to go through some names in each category and then kind of talk about each one. And, uh, you know, we'd love to hear what you think. He referenced this Entourage thing, which was that, you know, when Entourage, uh, there's like, I didn't watch the whole show. I watched like six seasons of Mm -hmm. it a long time ago, but... 
Vincent Chase, played by uh, Adrian Grenier. Yep. Uh, he he like kind of falls off at one point. He doesn't have any more hits, and he's meeting with studios and going for general meetings. And like I remember, he's like meeting with one of the big studios, and like they're like, yeah, you know, it was a big hit for us, but we don't have a thing for you right now. And he looks at him, he's like, but remember, you know, once a star, always a threat. You'll be back. Right. You'll be back. Right. And it's like I was like, oh, interesting. I wonder if that's like a real thing that people say. Is is that before he gets the James Cameron movie? Uh, it's ma- after I Meta think. or what is it called? No, because he does uh, no Mana. Mana, right? So, so that, but that's the one they do themselves. <clears throat> the, the big James Cameron thing is an Aquaman, right? And then it bombs. He gets replaced. Yeah, or yeah he gets yeah. replaced for the sequel, and then he falls off. And then he, there's the Fire movie that Stellan Skarsgård is the director, oh, and he yeah. fires him from Dude, it. Dude, that show was actually so good for yeah. like most of it. Yeah, and then it gets a little redundant, and repetitive. I just you know I think at one point I caught up and then I like. Who has time to watch anything? Did you watch Entourage, Brandon? I have never seen Entourage, no. Well, you're definitely missing out on some turtle love in there, but for the most part. And Dylan. Yeah. Dylan's amazing in there. Yeah. You're you're fired, Brandon. Um, It was a good (laughs) run. Yeah, so our very first category, Flash in the Pan. I'm going to hop in first with a very interesting one. It was actually the first person that popped into my mind. Uh, Definitely don't condone this gentleman, but Roman Polanski with The Pianist is a very interesting Moment. I mean, Roman Polanski was actually considered a pretty – he was a revered director for the most part. Oh, yeah. I mean, defining director. I mean, Chinatown is one of the most famous movies of all time. It's one of the <laughs> defining screenwriting example films you'll ever see. Um, I believe he directed Rosemary's Baby. He's has He has a number of movies in the 70s that are like a really big deal. And then there is the scandal that I don't really want to go too deep into. Yeah, but we don't need to get into the scandal. But for the most part, <clears throat> it was just kind of one of those things where like – I mean, I don't. I mean, it's even not even as bad as, which is crazy. It's not even as bad as like Hollywood treats Kevin Spacey and such now because yeah. they still let him direct movies and like yeah, still right, let right, him right. Do, anyway. So he does the pianist, which is just like, oh my god, it's a great movie. It, I actually haven't seen it since it came out. It's so good. I watched it actually again like maybe six months ago. Adrian Brody is perfect. It's so heartbreaking. The relationship with the captain who saves him is like Ray Fiennes who plays it. No, that's that's a uh, in um. That's Schindler's Schindler's list. list. Yeah, it's, it's a guy that kind of looks. I mean, obviously, looks like him. He's a German soldier in sure. World War II. Right, right, right. Uh, but yeah, it, it just it still completely holds up. But obviously, with the scandal, there was nowhere for him to grow from there. So, I mean, there could have been. He just he made movies, and a couple of them people saw, but he just didn't have another movie that like broke through, and people were willing to pay attention to for whatever reason. I mean, for obvious reasons, but people paid attention to the pianist for some reason. So yeah, I don't know if it was because even though he was like a bad person, it was like the subject matter was something that we all could relate to. Like we all, I mean, what do you think of the pianist? I did not see it. Come on, Brandon! <laughs> what are you doing? Double fired. Double um, fired. So moving on to the next one, I'm going to go with. There's a couple interesting ones on the list here. Um, speaking of double fired, double flash. Double flash. It's one of my favorites. Cuba Gooding Jr. Oh, do we have some Cuba stories? Cuba uh, obviously breaks onto the scene, has a big <laughs> moment with Jerry Maguire. Um, I'll go with you, Jerry. He's I'll my. Go with you, Jerry. I'm such a fan of that one. You um, love that movie, Jerry Maguire. You love Jerry Maguire. It's my ninth favorite film of all time. I think you like it more than anyone I've ever met. Uh, I'm smarter than anyone you've ever met. That's not true. I'm going to yeah. beat you in movie trivia. <laughs> Jerry Maguire is a fantastic movie. Brandon, you love Jerry Maguire, right? I, I do. Right? I've seen it. I've seen this one, guys. I've seen it, and I love it. <laughs> yeah, it was weird, right? The, the world was obsessed with Cuba Gooding Jr. for a while. I mean, obviously, he does a great job in this. You know, Men of Honor was another movie that came out that was super popular. Radio, you know, Academy Awards, all over. <laughs> as good as it gets. <laughs> as good as it gets is the other one around that time that he does right after. It's a really – and I just watched that last week. It's such an interesting role for him. Yeah, right. He's the he's the like really really uptight lawyer to Jack Nicholson. No, no, no. He's uh, 
or he's like he's that like to state manager to um, Greg Kinnear. To Greg Kinnear. It's it like yeah, his yeah. I don't know if it's his lawyer, if it's like his art dealer, but it's just like a very interesting role for him to take because he's he's probably fourth or fifth build. Does he say like does he have some line to Nicholson like be better? Doesn't he have some line like that? He has he has a few lines in there because he's the only person that'll tell Jack Nicholson. To fuck off, essentially, yeah. early on. Yeah, yeah, he's he's good in that. And so then he, you know, he, for a few years he's in stuff smaller and smaller roles. He's in uh, uh, Pearl Harbor. Yeah, he's Pearl big, Harbor. Big shout to Richard Eric Jarvis. One of his favorite films of all time. Uh, he's in Men of Honor. He does, does he get another nod for that? No, he doesn't get a nod. No, for just that, but he's in that with De Niro. Yeah, um, uh, Instinct. Right, that's him. Yeah, with Anthony Hopkins. But then like. So he has his moment with Jerry, and then he kind of does bad movies for a while. Boat and then, trip, yeah. and then he has the first Flash, right? Well, yeah. I mean, I would say, I would say, uh, the double Flash. Uh, his oh, actually, wait. Does he just have one comeback, and it's just a flash in the pan? And I just called it a double Flash. Yeah, I was. I kept wondering why you kept saying double <laughs> Flash. I didn't know what it meant. Hmm. hmm. Uh, I thought maybe the first comeback was was Pearl Harbor because it's five years later, but be. not really because he's not really coming back. Uh, my term is dead. Yep, yeah, it's a dead um, term. We're just going to have to start the whole show over. His flash in the pan comeback, though, is that he comes back and does the O.J. Simpson uh, TV series. Yeah, that and, uh, and I believe American Horror Story. I think he's in two different shows around the same okay. time. He's in that. Yeah. It's the was one, he, one did, season I watched. And how was it? Was he good or was he just like fine? He was fine. I mean, yeah, there was really no standouts. So, because that was the yeah. thing with him in American Horror, or I mean, American Crime Story, right? He, yeah. he did a very great job at. Because I don't think actually of all the people in that whole show, I think OJ was maybe the easiest role to act, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he does do a very good job of of someone who's a bad actor trying yeah. to. To lie, because OJ's a really bad liar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he does that really well. So, but yeah, it's Flash in the Pan. I feel like that fits perfectly. Hundred um, percent. My my favorite uh, Cuba story. Uh, Drew and I worked together at a bar called the Library Alehouse for oh a long time, God. and he loved to come in there, and he'd get blasted and come in. Like Cuba had to be. I think we had to ask him to leave several times. Oh yeah. Um, and we, we we've eighty six him from there numerous times. There's an L A. weather girl named Bree Winkler. Oh my um, God! Yes. Who this is, who yes. Uh, I had the biggest crush on. She would come in, and I always like. <laughs> I had such a crush on this, this on the chick. Like I thought she was so pretty and she was so sweet. She was she was the nicest, so lady nice ever. And I would always, I would, she'd always come in. and I would like try to you know get it, to, not flirt with her because like I could, I knew she was famous, but like right. hope that she paid attention. She never did. And uh, I remember this one time coming coming in when I wasn't working and Cuba was like wasted, leaning on a table with like her and another girl. And like I think he had to be asked to leave. <laughs> yeah, he's like, you know who I am. You uh, know who I am. He pulled that line. It was, it was bad news. It's our buddy Alex and Alex was like, of course I do. Yeah, you need to leave. You need to leave, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Go down to the other room. Uh, that place actually had a handful of, like, Jennifer Love Hewitt, Tim Robbins, uh, Don Shadell. Uh, who else would come in there all the time? Library? Was, yeah. Oh, Will Forte. Yeah, Will Forte became a friend of ours from that place. Honestly, everyone was super chill other yeah. than Cuba and Jean-Claude. Jean-Claude wasn't a dick. He, he just was, was a dick to me. Uh, he, he probably flexed, and then he flexed harder. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, moving on, Flash in the Pan. Cuba Gooding is a really great one. This is a very interesting one. And actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save the third one for you. I'm going to talk about the second because I feel like you know more about the third one. You've got that great story. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. The second one for me, and I think he's actually just number two in general if we're going to rank the whole list, is McConaughey. What an interesting one, right? Because this is this is you wouldn't think that you'd call this a flash in the pan, but the proof is in the pudding, guys. Go look at his career. Go look at what he's done since the McConaughey's happened. The McConaughey's is five years ago. It started now, and it's only what 
18 months or two years long? It's two years long. I mean, I guess it started a little longer ago if you want to, if you want to assign The Lincoln Lawyer as maybe the beginning, but I don't think that's fair. I, think I the, do really like The Lincoln Lawyer. I like that movie. I think the, the world started paying attention at Mud. That's when – that's because I know that he booked Interstellar because of Mud. Yeah. And so, like, you have Mud, you've got Interstellar, you right. have, obviously, uh, Dallas, Dallas Fires Club, Club and Trudy. Trudy Season 1. And his role in Wolf of Wall Street. He just had that year where it all just kind of lined up, and he was just crushing it. He was, like, he was perfect in every single role he was cast in. He was perfect, and he also – he was putting in that extra effort, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was great. And because because historically, classically, McConaughey to that point, he had had a late 90s run of like kind of real movies, but then – Right, because he did what? He did A Time to Kill. He did Amistad. There was like well, another like Contact. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Contact was huge. It was a big deal. Yeah, yeah. And so then he, so then he does that, and he goes on this run, and then – you know that basically the entirety of the 2000s is spent making like stupid rom-coms like Fool's Gold. Which like, you know it wasn't his fault. Because no. every woman and most men in America were just obsessed with Matthew McConaughey at that time. He was just such a beautiful creature. What? Well, Sahara and uh, Fool's the, Gold. Fool's Gold. How to Lose a Guy. Yeah, what's the one I'm forgetting? Failure to Launch. Failure to Launch. And then there's one other. Uh, Brandon Hanna's seen that movie. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Ghosts of Girlfriends Past. Oh. Yeah. I don't know if you know that, but uh, Jennifer Garner was in that movie with him. Ah. Uh, you remember that, huh? I do. Yeah. I'm glad you I hate you so much. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it's one of those things where uh, – because you and I love <laughs> got him. Uh, you and I love Matthew McConaughey and we Huge want fan. nothing more than for him to just keep knocking it out of the park. But it just doesn't feel that way anymore. No. I mean it's not all bad. you know. Like, he, and he's taken some swings, right? Free State of Jones was, was him trying and gold I've heard is, is at least mediocre. And, and some people like Sing a lot. Um, you know, he's done a bunch of these movies the last few years. Yeah. Any of these movies. Exactly. And then uh, <laughs> we just saw him in a film called Serenity that came out that was pretty bad. Oh, yeah. He's just unfortunately – just I don't know if it's his team is not picking as good of projects or what. But at Maybe least, he's tired. Yeah. What I do like, think might happen is McConaughey – Probably will do True Detective season four is my guess. Oh yeah, didn't they? Because I haven't watched True Detective season three, but oh, I've sweet. heard they're trying to in, like it's it's related in the t- in the same world. Okay, they're, they're cops and it's like in the same time period, and you like see a know reference of each other or something. At one point, there's like a reference to like a case that was being solved by, and you see a picture on a newspaper article of those two. Okay, it's like a big reveal towards the end. It's not like a big plot point, but it does acknowledge. It's like the David Dunn at the end of Split type thing where you're yeah. like, holy, yeah. Sh- yeah. And it could be. So you could – I think he'll probably take the money and, and do that. It's weird to say that in some ways I almost feel like Woody is more famous than McConaughey right now. It's true because Woody just keeps killing it, dude. He's so good in everything that he everything, does. Everything, yeah. He should be on the list. Woody should 100% be on the list from No Country because he has his run in the 90s is like kind of like a laughable wannabe comedic actor kind yeah, of. Yeah, kind of. And he does like Natural War Killers. He does like Ed TV and stuff. Yeah. But then he's just like forgotten about and then you see him – yeah, in uh, in True Detective, you see him in No Country, and you're like, and now he's just he's just the dude. It, it's almost like I feel like he he didn't have a comeback. I almost feel like he just got way more famous. He was, with no it Country. was just like a slow boil. Yeah, like, he never was like an icon. Ever. Like McConaughey was like a was like a heartthrob icon, and then he just became a joke, and then he became legit. Yeah. So I think that's pretty fair to say. I think next on the list, though, somebody in kind of a similar category, and that's why you know it's hard to call McConaughey a flash in the pan. But on some level, we can acknowledge that he is. Well, yeah, and the reason that you say that, and it, it goes for this next guy as well, is they're still A-list stars, and they probably always will be. And so the next one for us is John Travolta. When I made Saturday Night Fever, 
<laughs> this is the best thing. If you guys go look up his like, you go look up his interviews, his like press interviews from doing the Punisher when he played Howard Saint, uh, one of your favorite films of all time. I love that movie. Do you like the Punisher or the Village more? <sighs> That's a tough one. Jesus Throw in the Hunted, Christ. and this oh. gets impossible. Oh my god, I can't even. Do it. Honestly, <laughs> the Punisher. All movies, movie. all movies released between 2002 and 2004 that you could watch repeatedly at Blockbuster Video are like the Andrew Guy Bible. Yeah. Like they're just so good. They're just, there's just nothing wrong with them. So good. Um, so, so John Travolta though, you know, he does this interview and I remember he's like, he's like, uh, you know, when I did Saturday Night Fever, you see, uh, what I did, my role changed the world. Now all those years later when I did Pulp Fiction, the movie changed the world. Can you understand how that would – and it's just like, like, oh my god. I want to stab you with a, a spoon. This is a real thing. Um, what I wish he had said is um, now I've taken the role of writer in the film The Taking of Poem 1, 2, 3. I intend to change the world again. The world again. Uh, I watched that again recently. It's so sweet. It's so sweet. I, I think now that I've gotten over the fact that like it's not like a, a great movie but it's a it's a perfect movie. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I love – and the thing is I, I actually like I make fun of the movie for being bad because a lot of it is bad. But I actually genuinely think that their interaction in a lot of cases is really good. And then at the end too when he's like – he's like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to shoot you. I'm going to shoot you, Garber. Right. You're going to have to kill me because I'm – what are you going to do? On the bridge. And he says he shoots him and he's like, Garber, you're my fucking hero. Yeah. And he, like I love it's that such movie. such a good line. I like yeah. that movie a lot. I don't know. People are dumb. I know. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm one of I'm them. I'm one of them. <laughs> yeah. uh, and last on the list, I'm actually going to let the intern introduce this guy because I think this one kind of goes without saying. Yeah. And I'm an introduce. Just kidding. <laughs> oh, trying to steal my spotlight there. But, uh, that would be uh, Mickey Rourke. No, Mickey, Mickey Rourke. Rourke. Do you like my birth? My birth. Mickey Rourke. So here's here's my memory. Of Mickey Rourke. Um, he was a huge heartthrob in the '80s, right? Massive. Yeah. Uh, Mickey Rourke's breakout is early '80s. He's in a film called Diner, one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, he ends up having a big run and a bunch of stuff in the mid '80s. You know, he has a small role in Heaven's Gate. He breaks out, has a big, big role with like. Um, uh, nine and a half weeks, which is probably the th- oh, that's probably yeah. the most famous like mid eighties, and then he's in like Angel Heart, a bunch of other movies, The Pope of Greenwich Village, um, some stuff with Eric Roberts, and then the late eighties comes, and I think he got like a six picture deal, and he makes like Barfly, Wild Orchid, um, just bad movie after bad movie was impossible to work with, and basically got yeah. blacklisted in Hollywood. So that by the early nineties, he just had stopped being in like theatrically released movies. He stars in stuff like. Point blank in like 1995. That's like a that's a straight to video movie. Um, and then on top of that, he gets in the wreck a few years later, right? Does he? Does he get in a wreck? I, I know he was boxing. Or is it? Or is it? Is it plastic surgery? His I think he was boxing. Yeah, both. And his maybe. And his face got all screwed up. And yeah. he was a drunk. And but he still managed to, despite being a drunk, stay in like crazy good shape for like his whole career. Yeah. So you've got this guy who's who used to be a heartthrob who is. Horrible to work with on set, and now has lost his moneymaker essentially because his face is nothing like what it used to be. Yeah, and he's—I didn't really even know who Mickey Rourke was growing yeah. up. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I—I I didn't watch Diner. I didn't watch you know all the movies that you watched with your dad. I was yeah. watching Disney movies and rom coms with my mom and sister. Launch over and over again. Loved it. That, loved was, it. that was Brandon. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes, it was. So then, holy shit, the wrestler comes out and. Everyone, the world, the world stops. If you guys want to cry, watch the trailer for the wrestler. It's so good. It's a great movie with a great trailer. Everything you kind of need to know about the just feeling an old of that beat movie. Beat up guy. Just an old broken down piece of yeah, meat. Old broken down I deserve piece of to be meat. alone. He's great. That movie is great. Evan Rachel Wood is fantastic. Uh, Tomei is great. Tomei is wonderful. It it's so heartbreaking. He does such a great job. And 
He wins you, the Screen Actors Guild Award for it. And you and you want you want it. You want him to be this guy. Like when I saw him cast as Whiplash in Iron Man Two, I was so excited. Like I was. I was elated. The story goes that he was living in a 500-square-foot apartment, one-bedroom apartment in Hollywood, totally flat broke when he booked The Wrestler, uh, and that he booked it, and he, he, he made $500,000 on Iron Man 2 because he had just had this big thing, and his right. agent could, could negotiate the role. But he not, was literally who he is in The Wrestler at the beginning of filming The Wrestler. 100%. And um, the crazy thing is, if you look at what he did over the course of the next five years— he almost doesn't have another good movie in there. He does like – he just like took some pretty bad roles, didn't get – I think he had probably burned enough bridges that it was hard to kind of get back in the good graces. But there's like there's like a movie based on a Brett Easton Ellis novel I think. It's got that song I Ran in the trailer. I can't remember what it's called. But it came out like shortly thereafter and like that, that movie didn't work. There's Kill Shot, which is a movie based on an Elmore Leonard novel, same guy that wrote like Jackie Brown and, and Get Pigs, Shorty. Ashby, Sin City 2, Dead in Tombstone, Java Heat. Like literally what he's done in the last nine years has just been gone. Because prior to The Wrestler, there's a few years – he has a couple roles, right? There's Sin City is the big one. And then he also has a role in The Rainmaker, which is like – and then he also has a role in Man on Man Fire. On Fire yeah. Those are like the three that I can remember in the 2000s that are like kind of relevant. So oh, he yeah. Was, he's also in Once Upon a Time in Mexico as like the, one of the agents I remember. Yeah. And so that's like – but like Mickey Rourke is just the ultimate all-time flash-in-the-pan comeback because like we all wanted him to be successful. We all wanted him to be awesome. He was put – he was literally put in the two best positions to succeed, an indie art house film that is – totally adored by the Academy and everyone in the world based off performance and storytelling. And then the second one is you're in a goddamn Marvel movie. In the biggest entity in the world. I mean, Iron Man changed the world and you are now the villain in Iron Man 2. In one of the five worst movies in the MCU. So bad. So guys, that is the flash in the pan category for us. In order, we went Roman Polanski, Cuba Gooding Jr., John Tra- or, uh, Matthew McConaughey, John Travolta, and Mickey Rourke is the ultimate flash in the pan Hollywood comeback. He's done. The second category we're going to go with is once a star, always a threat. We're going to save the heavy hitters, the all-timers for the last piece of the discussion. This is a category about people that maybe had a moment, fell out, came back, and it almost felt inevitable that they would. Or maybe they haven't necessarily come back all the way, but we expect that they will. It's just kind of like you just believe it about them. So I think we're going to jump in first and start with one that you suggested, which is Brie Larson. Yeah, and and, and it's because and, – and you kind of gave me a little pushback on this, which I understand because she only won the Oscar four years ago. you know, But she's only yeah. done five movies since. And it's very rare that you win an Academy Award as a young, talented, attractive actress and then you just do movies that like no one watches yeah. like, at all. And then all of a sudden the next thing that you do that people do watch is the biggest movie in the world in Captain Marvel. I think it's really interesting. So if I remember correctly, what, Room came out in 2016? I think 15. 15. Is it 2015? And she yeah. wins at the 2016 Oscars? Um, whatever. Yeah, I guess that's right. 2015. And so there's a couple things there. The first one is that it's not like Brie Larson was doing huge stuff before she won the Oscar. Not at all. You know, she was in 21 Jump Street and she had had – I remember she has, she's in an episode of The League. She's in Scott Pilgrim. She's in Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She was working for sure. She, I love her in Scott Pilgrim, by yeah, the she's, way. We're doing that movie on Action Movie Anatomy on uh, the 3rd of April. Yeah, we're going to do a watch along. That Hey, really quick, going to do a plug, guys. If you go to patreon.com slash teamaction and sign up at the $10 level, you will be able to watch Scott Pilgrim with us, with Ben and I, on 
on March 31st. Yeah, we're doing a, a watch along like we did once before with Mission Impossible 3. Probably significantly less drunk for this one, but uh, <laughs> 100% this, less this drunk. will be uh, available to everybody at the $10 level, so check that out. But uh, yeah, she was doing kind of smaller stuff, I remember. And the only other, because so, so she does Room, Free Fire, Kong Skull Island. The Glass Castle, Unicorn Store, Basmati Blues, and then Captain Marvel. So the only one of those that's a real movie is, is Kong. And that's right. the one. And Kong is the movie where probably Room is getting a lot of attention. And last minute, they're like, we need two stars for this. Tom, Tom Hiddleston, it. Yep. Brie Larson, cast him, go shoot this. They're like, go to this island, shoot for four months, you'll be, you'll be back. Yep. Everything else on there is like Free Fire is an indie that they had to shoot a trailer to get funding for. Uh, Glass Castle. Like, those are mostly indies that probably honestly had been shot within, around, or immediately after Room was filmed before she even won the Oscar. Right. She honestly probably gets cast for Captain Marvel shortly after winning that Oscar. And then we know we, we know from talking to our, our buddy who takes the movie years. that she literally – she had to go film scenes for Avengers before she ever filmed her own movie. Right. She had to show up on set, put the costume on for the first time to do scenes with the Avengers. Never even played the character. Before she'd ever even been in a big budget action movie. She like hadn't done it yet. Yeah. So like she – like we're only kind of just starting to see her emerge from the cave that is what happens um, you know, when you get into that massive Marvel machine. But I think Brie Larson, the reason that we kind of talked about it is that despite all that, despite the fact that it's been what feels like more than the time it's been For since sure. she won that Oscar, she now just was in a movie that opened with like $460 million over the weekend is like now a mo- massive movie star. And we know she's going to kill it in Endgame. We know there's like nowhere nowhere to go but up for her. Um but it is just shocking that she won the Oscar, and that happens. Uh, I actually want the intern to introduce the one that he kept talking about in the room, which was uh, someone who I really – I kind of love and kind of hate. Yeah. Yeah. Go for it, intern. That would be Mr. Ben Affleck. Yes. Yeah, so talk to us a little bit about why you think he belongs on the list, which I 100% agree he does. Well, I mean, you know, Ben Affleck, you know, late 90s, early 2000s, you know, he was in the Kevin Smith movies – Obviously, he was in Pearl Harbor, which you mentioned before, talking about Cuba Gooding yeah, Jr. Goodwill a few years earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, Goodwill really put you know, him and Matt Damon on the map. And then since then, you know, he just kind of did a lot of stinkers, like, you know, Daredevil. Geely. Yeah. Paycheck. Forces <laughs> of Nature. Surviving Christmas. They're just all bad. Yeah. I, paycheck is good. <laughs> <laughs> when did that come out? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right in the middle of that golden sweet run. So then – so he kind of falls off the face of the earth as a – I mean we were talking about it. Like he's kind of the butt of a lot of jokes on you know South Park, Family Guy, whatever it might be. Is he in Paycheck and Timeline? Are those both him? What's Timeline? He's in Paycheck and Changing Lanes. Oh, which is right. also very good. Actually, but I've can never you seen Can you give me back my time? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that movie. Yeah. It's literally just a movie about being in L.A. traffic. No, it's New York traffic. No, I know. I'm joking. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. Um, so then he has his comeback. Yeah, he comes back in a big way as a director. Um, Gone Baby Gone, The Town, and most famously Argo, winning Best Picture at the Oscars. Yeah. He like – it's interesting because Ben Affleck, I feel like there was a general feeling that he wasn't as talented as Matt Damon yeah. for a long time. He became a joke. He was the butt of the joke. And all those movies we talked about from like basically 2001 to 2006 – then he's kind of gone, and Gone Baby Gone comes out in 07, and it's like, okay, it's this like Ben Affleck-directed movie, but it's starring his brother, was, Casey yeah, Affleck? Yeah. What is this? And it's a movie that like is pretty good. It's, I like that movie a lot. Yeah. like I think Gone Baby Gone is pretty good, and the world felt that way about it. Like This movie's above average. This movie's pretty good, actually. Yeah. I'm surprised. Ben Affleck directed a movie. And, and it's, mainly, it's also mainly because of Amy Ryan's performance, right? Yeah, it got that got an Oscar nom yeah. and, and like, you know, it has a pretty big cast, and yeah. it's good, and, and uh, it's piggybacking off of – I can't remember if it's the same – 
author as Mystic River. It might be the same author as Mystic River or okay. it might be that the town is the same author. I can't remember. But whatever it is, a few years later he does The Town and that movie again gets Jeremy Renner an Academy Award nomination. That and movie. It's a really good movie as well. Both of them are like significantly above average but not great if yeah. that's right. Like that's the yeah, way I they're regarded. That's fair. Which is funny because that's like exactly how I would say Argo is regarded. Except I, I could agree more. Argo won Best Picture. Do you... <sighs> And you almost wonder why, because it's not like a lifetime achievement award. He only directed two movies before that. They were both good enough, but they weren't it's Oscar about the, movies. It's about the other movies released that year. It's, it's yeah. kind of it's the same thing we were talking about with Green Book this year. Like Green Book is up again is the third is like the third vote for a lot of people when like the favorite and Roma are like the other two movies that people are talking about. Right. So if X vote for Roma and Y vote for uh, the favorite, then Z everybody else votes for Green Book as the three, and it just ends up winning because like there's too much of a split in the first two. I think that's probably kind of what happens to Argo because if you look back in 2012, like the movies you're dealing with are like The Life of Pi getting a nomination right? or like I, if I, I think 2012 is like the same year that you have like Les Mis is up for Best Picture. Should have won. Yeah. Just some generally – like there was no big Pixar movie that year. That year's Pixar movie I think was Brave. Oh, yeah. Um, it's like – you know, it's just not – Just a weird year. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like yeah. there wasn't like insane competition. Um, so before we move into the last two here, there's someone I just want to mention really quickly that you and I had talked about, which was DiCaprio. And it was mainly because he starred in the biggest movie ever made. It's not it, – it just is the biggest movie ever made. Titanic is. Still. Yeah, like Gilbert Grape gets him the Oscar nom and it's a couple years earlier and he's super young and he's like a child star and everybody loves him. And he makes movies. He makes Marvin's Room, makes This Boy's Life, you know. And then Titanic is the biggest thing in, in the whole world. It's Insane. There's like – had never been a movie as big as Titanic. And – he became this like you know heartthrob, teen star, and ready to the basketball diaries, yep. all these movies, and then it was kind of like, Romeo and Juliet. I think he just was like, where do I go from here? I don't want to. I want to take some time for myself. He could just have the greatest team in the world, right? They're like, dude, you just just chill, just chill for a few years, do like a couple movies. Because his next few years, it's like the beach, the man in the iron mask. I think there's one other movie in there that he does, right? Yeah, they're not offensively in either direction, right? They're not good. But yeah. they're not horrible, and they're also not characters that are like – they're not radios. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where you do – where it's like <laughs> this really respected guy does a movie, and you're just like, oh, yeah. God. I mean, Man in the Iron Mask was almost like that, but it wasn't quite there. And so in 02, five years after Titanic, he has both Gangs of New York and Catch Me If You Can come out. <laughs> and from there, it's just up, up, up. Yeah, I mean, he's and- become the biggest movie star actor of our lifetime yeah. in the last 20 years. A hundred percent. I mean, like – all the other names that come up there, it's just like Leo, now at the Oscar, all the movies he's worked with, all the directors that he's worked with, and the, and the accolades of the directors that he's worked with. You put him up against Brad Pitt. You put him up against De Niro, Pacino. I mean, obviously, those aren't in the last 20, yeah, but like they're older. I mean, you put him up against like Denzel, but like Denzel's 20 years older than he is. And here's the thing is if he doesn't do what De Niro and Pacino did at the end of their careers, his star could just be exponentially higher if he just keeps doing home run hitter after home run hitter yeah he did a lot of really 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 good movies and and like now yeah there's just nobody really in his class yeah and he and that's the other thing with him is that he can he will literally never have to do a movie or a role that isn't gold for him it's interesting in some ways if you think about dicaprio and you look at his career compared to like a lot of the big movie stars that he never fell into the trap of like being spider-man or like you know what i mean he never never took like the big franchise role that like i think that's maybe what the early 2000s was right like he he tried these weird like a danny boyle thriller and then he does the man in the iron mask which is like a three musketeers you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and i think it was probably like all right i'm gonna chill out i think i made some mistakes he was just like 
I think he, he might have just been like, I want to work with the best directors in the world. True. Scorsese, I'm in. Yep. Spielberg, 100%. Yep. You know, Scorsese again, back at it. Let's do it. Yeah, and, and right? now him and Scorsese have just become, which is actually something we're going to be talking about next week. With a, we're, We have a celebrity guest coming in, yeah. but we're going to talk about the greatest actor-director pair duos of all time. Yeah, on the show next week, we have because we're going to be talking about Dumbo and, and some really, really fun stuff on that show. Um, so next up on the list, once a star, always a threat, we're going to go with Robert Pattinson. Yeah, um, we're yeah, go ahead. A guy who's kind of having his his comeback moment right now as we speak. I remember. Is it Remember Me? Is that the movie? Yep. I've heard from almost every single person that talks to me about that movie that he's excellent in it. It's a good movie. He's a very good actor, actually, is what they tell me. That's the like. I'm doing a big franchise thing where I'm all over every billboard, and I'm going to squeeze in this other movie that people might see. Right. Movie. Like, that's what that movie is. Is it? You said it's fine? It's fine. I saw it with my ex-girlfriend in the movie theater, remember, because okay. she liked Twilight a lot. Uh, it was I'll, I'll never need to watch it again. Right, but that's that's it. He's literally the biggest star in the entire world, and he's actually – all three of them had a really hard time keeping it going. Yeah. Like, I, everyone got sick of Kristen Stewart. You know, uh, I think we actually saw Jacob at your birthday party last year. Taylor Lautner? Yeah. I think really? It, it might have been your birthday or – yeah. It was like in the back patio. Yeah, we watched Dirty Dancing. Oh. That one, he was there. Oh right, he I remember horrible. that. Horrible, and I'm so sorry, but <laughs> I was convinced it wasn't him for the longest time. I remember that girl, Catherine Hughes. I had a big crush on I at one sure point. Do um, I, she? I think she dated Taylor Lautner for a little while, and so I always had a little bit of a I hate well, you, Taylor Lautner thing <laughs> years ago when I cared about Catherine Hughes. Years Moving on, and years ago, Catherine. I know you're listening. <laughs> Give Ben a call. Um, yeah, so then lastly, number one, our favorite. We've talked about this so many times on every show we've ever been on. Go ahead. Nicholas Cage. It's Nick Cage. <laughs> I don't know what this is and I don't understand it. He's the best. Nick Cage is the guy that he's not even quite having the proper comeback yet, but he's in the middle of having some kind of a comeback. <laughs> we like we like convinced ourselves that he was having a comeback just so we could talk about him because Mandy happened, which I did not like. People liked but people Mandy, loved it. And he's weirdo and he does weird movies and Spider Verse, he like did a day in a probably a sound booth and he like is excellent. He's fantastic. Nick, like I, my Nick Cage is just my favorite thing in the world. I think I've talked about this probably on our other show, but I, maybe I haven't talked about it here. Right. But like I, on Sundays during the football season, I do this job uh, for the NFL where I pull stats during Fantasy Football Live. And my producer, this guy DJ, is a friend of mine. He has a similar love for Nick Cage that we have. Uh-huh. And so DJ and I will spend hours. Hours of our Sundays speaking to each other only in cage speak, <laughs> like only in cage speak, like hey, DJ. Could you hand me the yeah. bathroom? Whole, like whole conversations, like like about what we're drinking. Like, there's an interesting flavor name for this energy drink. I came up with this in the jungles of Cambodia. It's called I was, Bang. I just <laughs> I just fil- finished filming Red Rock West. I got on an airplane. Uh, <laughs> like it's just like it's so much fun. Uh, Nick Cage is the best. He is having a comeback. I believe it. I, and honestly, if Nick Cage gets cast as like the bad guy in the next MCU movie, or in a DCEU movie, or a Star Wars character, or if he just pops up in like a, a re, like if he pops up in the next Taylor Sheridan film, as, will, he, will you be surprised at all? No, no. And if he knocks it out of the park, will you be surprised at all? No, no. Nick Cage may win another Oscar in his lifetime. It's possible. I want him to so badly. It's just you got to figure out a way to harness <laughs> the crazy. He has. He, he has. <laughs> the rest of the world has to figure out how to do it. Uh, so, guys, for our Once a Star, Always a Threat, we have Brie Larson, Ben Affleck, we mentioned DiCaprio, Pattinson, and our number one is Mr. Nicolas Cage. We are running a little long on time here, so I actually want to cut two of these. 
You want to just do the you just want to do the top three? Uh, I actually want to cut. I think three and do four. Okay. Yep. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. You want to okay. cut three, do four, and what? Cut, cut five? five. Yep. Cool. Great. Actually, well, let's mention five really quick. Honorable mention on five because yes. I think it's fair. Because it, so number five, we're gonna go with Spike Lee. Yeah. Uh, Spike Lee, Black Klansman, massive movie. Um, one of the best movies last year, honestly. And it's very good. Yeah, it's really good. Arguably he, best picture of the year. Yeah, he did a great job with it. I liked it better than all of the front runners for best picture. Um, he's super talented. He's made a ton of iconic movies. He had just had a really bad run between Inside Man back in 06 and Black Klansman. He had done some very bad movies. Yeah, and if you want, you could say Detroit was kind of the movie he did before Klansman that was good enough. That's Catherine Bigelow. You're thinking, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so sorry. Uh, it was... Oh, it was Old Boy that people talked about, with, but it was horrible. Yeah. Old, the original Old Boy is my favorite movie. It's bad. It's a yeah. bad iteration. So, Spike <laughs> Lee, I think it's fair to say we're going to have to see what his next movie is. Yeah. But I feel like Spike Lee is back. Like, his next movie will have enough press that people will see it. And also, it felt like he kind of made a movie for a general audience again. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I know yeah. he likes to make movies for himself, which I, I, you know, I respect that. Chirac is bad. That yeah. was his previous movie, and yeah. it's like not an approachable movie at all. It's, it's super like a weird half musical retelling of Lysistrata. It's like not good. Yeah. Um, um, but so let's do our top three. Yeah. So he's an honorable mention for us. But another great director, and again, this was inspired by M Night Shyamalan's Split. It's Catherine Bigelow, and I'm going to let you take this because Point Break is your favorite movie of all time. <laughs> Point Break is the greatest movie of all time. Uh, released in 1991. She was married to James Cameron at the time. Um, she was a big deal. She was an up-and-coming director. She was making waves. Uh, she makes that movie. It's action. It's awesome. She does a great job with it. She's like the only female director making big budget action at that yeah. moment. You know, Mimi later does some stuff a few years later, but like Catherine Bigelow is like the bee's knees when it comes to that shit. And by 95, she does Strange Days, which is liked enough. People like Strange Days okay. It's mm-hmm. a little weird. And then she doesn't do another movie until K-19, The Widowmaker. Which is like – I mean you've got a superstar in it, in but it's O2. not a good movie. And then after that, she doesn't do another movie until Zero Dark – or until uh, The Hurt Locker, which Hurt wins Locker, Best Picture. Which wins Best Picture. And then the next year, she does Zero Dark Thirty. Or, or is it two a few years, years later. later. Yeah, yeah. She does Zero Dark Thirty. And then a few years after that, she does Detroit. So she's yeah. done three really solid movies in a row. Really great movies, the first two, and Detroit was was way above average. Did Zero Dark get nominated as well? Yeah, yeah, it did. Yeah, it just didn't win. Um, I almost like Zero Dark Thirty better than her. I Locker. almost do do, but I just love I I love Jeremy Renner. He's just one of my favorites. Like yeah. I could watch Wind River and Hurt Locker over and over and over. Just him being like a stoic badass. Yeah, I'm all in. Uh, number two here is a really, I mean, God. I'm so I'm so happy that Michael Keaton had a comeback. Yeah, so it was such a big deal. And the funny part about Michael Keaton's comeback is that it kind of came out of nowhere and happened real slow. Yeah, right. Like we, I remember when we first started seeing Michael Keaton show back up in movies again. Like the other guys is the a great inception. Example. That's what it is. It's the inception of Keaton into your brains is the other guys. It was when we were like. I've never needed someone more in my life. He's like, oh, he's really funny in this. Like, he's, oh, Michael Keaton, he's great. <laughs> and then, and then, like a couple years later, he's like, I don't remember what happens between that and between that and Birdman. Yeah, but I remember Birdman comes out, and it's funny because Birdman is like super self-referential in the sense that he's having a comeback, but it's Michael Keaton having a comeback as a fake actor that played a fake Batman in a fake universe. Exactly. But like the whole thing is so meta and so successful that he just from there is like, yeah, I'll just be in the Best Picture winner in back-to-back years and now he's getting like starred. I'll be a villain in a Marvel franchise. Yeah, I'll be Vulture. You know, he pulls off like weird indie action like American Assassin. Then he's in Dumbo. He was just so good in Spotlight. 
Yeah, he's great. Like Keaton is a really solid actor, and he's and he's smart. You know, he saved his money, is what I've heard. Like, I've oh, run, did he? Yeah, I've heard. I've I've run into Keaton a bunch of times in Santa Monica. He's a guy that spends a lot of time in Venice and around like some of the similar places that I go to. And I've never talked to him, mm-hmm. um, but I, I I've like waited in line next to him or like sat at a restaurant near him a bunch of times. And I don't he think just, I could keep. I mean, I know I could keep my cool, but yeah. I'd have to say something. I think. I, yeah, I mean, I it happened like years ago before I was in this business, right? And so. Which you'd think that back then I would be more inclined yeah, you'd be like, to be yeah. a jackass, but, right? Um, I, for whatever reason, I just never did. But I just like observed. He just seemed so like chill. Like my my the guy that used to cut my hair on Main Street, right. Would cut Keaton's hair. Like he would come in every month. Justin, I actually yeah. called the other day to try to get my hair cut by them because I needed to get my hair cut. Real yeah, quick. it was funny. Um, yeah, him and. Uh, Tim Robbins was again. I mentioned him earlier, but he was another dude that I was like, I love him so much because of Shawshank. Yeah, but I never. And finally, one day, I think I did. I was just like, just a huge fan, man. That's you, like, said, oh, you said to him. I just said that. Okay, he was like, sweet, oh, thanks sweet. so much. Yeah. I, just, I left him alone. Uh, all right, guys. So last on our list, the number one, the greatest comeback in Hollywood history, in our opinion, and uh, probably everyone is thinking the same thing. It's, I don't. I don't think you can think anything else. How could you not? Yeah, Robert Downey Jr. He is. I mean, Robert Downey Jr. is one of the most famous faces in all of the world at this point. I mean, with how large of, of, of an influence and just like a massive moment in culture and society, everything, that Infinity War and Iron Man and the whole Marvel franchise is, and he is the face of it. He is the front of it. Ten years. I mean, like he has a legitimate ten years of just like, I'm this guy, I'm a superstar. He does two Sherlock Holmes movies in there. He throws in movies like Due Date and The Judge. Right. He throws in like these other movies, but like he's become so synonymous with Tony Stark and so famous in that role that when you see him in a movie like The Judge or you see him in like Due Date, it's almost be like, oh, he's just like doing his Tony Stark thing. It's almost He's almost kind of pigeonholed himself into being typecast because he's just so perfect as Tony Stark. That like even yeah, like you said, you see him in other roles, you're like, ah, it's just Tony. And he had had like I mean, he he was a guy that in early nineties, you know, he had come out as like a force to be reckoned with, late eighties even, you know, he got nominated for an Oscar for Chaplin in the early nineties. Mm. And he was a thing people people loved him, right? I think he's in like less than zero and a few movies then. And then the nineties, he's he's yeah, the not drug problem, right? Big drug problem. He's in US Marshals, and I think there's like the famous story that like he was passed out in some person's backyard, right? Like, During filming of it? No, or, no. I think he was like wandering around, like just oh, wasted. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, like wakes up in someone's backyard and they call the police and he had to go to rehab. And in our lifetime, I remember he's in like Gothica and he's in like Kiss Kiss <sighs> Bang Bang. Yep, yep. It's a couple movies. Zodiac is the year before Iron Man. That's when it starts. And then Iron Man hits and it's like, it's just, it's just gone. Yeah. He's just gone. I mean, like, yeah, go ahead. I feel like we also just want to talk about Tropic Thunder. Yeah, that was yeah. right around the same time same as Iron year Man. Same as Iron Man. Yeah, and he gets nominated for an Oscar for putting on blackface. Like, like literally <laughs> unreal. Yeah, it's the same year, right? Yeah, yeah. It's something that you thought could never be done, ever, ever, and he kills it. He's so good. That's part of that whole movie. He really is. And it, and I remember hearing about it. I mean, we covered Tropic Thunder on Action Movie Anatomy. I remember hearing about him being in blackface, and I was like, "Are you kidding me? Fuck no! I'm not going to watch that movie. Yeah, that sounds so stupid. It sounds so offensive." And then I watched it. and I died. It was and so it was, good. And it was so offensive. It was so offensively <laughs> perfect. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think he's just got to be it. I mean, he's made. I, we don't actually know the numbers, but like between Infinity War and Endgame, isn't he making like an obscene amount of money? The second contract was for two fifty, I think. 
and I don't know how much the first one was, and I think like he'll probably get a re-up on some involvement in the MCU in some capacity even after this. So like he'll have probably made like well over four hundred million dollars by the time it's over. Which is like it's not even the same ballpark as like, oh yeah, I did six movies in a row and got paid twenty million dollars for each. I signed an NBA decade-long contract as LeBron James. And I just like, had, to, I had to just show up. Like, on, on a lot of cases, like, again, we've asked we've asked Haggerty a lot of questions about him on what set. It's, yeah, what it's like working with people. And I think I've asked him before, you know, who's kind of, you know, he'll say, like, I mean, Robert's the guy. He's the face of the thing. So when it's a Robert day it's on a, set, yep. it's just, like, it's all, it's it's him. And he's he's very polite to everybody. And he he's shows up on time. Incredibly professional. He's professional. I asked him the other day, who's the most talented? I was like, who is... I was like, and he's like, honestly, man, everybody has their scenes. Like you, but I don't know. Robert's pretty, pretty damn good. He's he's amazing. Like even in the Endgame trailer, the moments that he has there, they like they like choke me up every time. And so for I am so excited that's for Endgame. I cannot wait. And yeah, just the fact that I mean, that's another thing that's important to Ben and I is, and we obviously have no control over it and doesn't affect their performances. But knowing that he's a good dude on set, that he's a pro, that he works his ass off, yeah, it makes it, it, it's makes so difference. much respect. So our number one comeback in Hollywood of all time is the Iron Man Robert Downey Jr. Mr. Robert Downey Jr. That's going to wrap up the show today, guys. We want to thank Brandon Hanna for hanging out, for sitting on the show for the very first time. First guest we've ever had in this room on this show. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for coming. Did you have a good time? Oh, yeah. I had a great time. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, of course. So be sure to check out Action Movie Anatomy every single Wednesday on the Popcorn Talk Network at 2 p.m. You can download that as an audio podcast. Be sure to like, subscribe, and comment on this channel this youtube for the collider podcast network as well as leave your thoughts your comments on the itunes feed for collider movie talk which is where you can listen to this show full episodes available on the action industries youtube every single week and immediately on patreon.com slash team action yeah literally finish this clip and then go to that patreon you can watch the whole rest of the episode make sure to follow us on twitter at team action show you can find me at andrew guy you can find him at ben ben bateman media and you can find him at brandon hannah 07 that is that right? Correct. Oh, <laughs> killed it. Improv. Killed it. Improv. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's going to wrap it up for me. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Uh, we will talk to you. See you soon next week. Yeah, I think next week we're going to be covering the greatest actor-director combos of all time. Yeah, with Joe Gatt. We'll see you guys then. Bye. Napa know-how. This month, Napa's got all kinds of motor oil deals that can save you some serious cash. Like a five-quart jug of Napa full synthetic motor oil for just $16.49. With savings like that, you may start feeling like a VIP. But don't let it go to your head. These oil deals are for everyone. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. General states pricing. Sales prices not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. Offer ends 831.20. Stay little chico, pit bull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game, so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.